everyone and welcome to the Information Entropy Podcast, where we try and take some science, squish it into an hour-long show, hopefully making it less confusing than it was at the beginning. This week, we are talking parasites. If you want to follow us on Twitter, at InfoEntropyPod, Instagram, uh, InformationEntropyPod, TikTok, at InfoEntropyPod, and Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to listen, shout out to wherever you are listening from. If you can give us a like, rating, comment, share whatever it is even if you just want to copy the link and not send it to anyone that still counts on some platforms um so yeah i'm tom jenks joined as usual by mitchell gatting how are you mate i'm doing well how are you yeah not too shabby good 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 i'm actually a little bit ill so oh no it's the it's the time you know there's like there's like some illnesses that you're like your body just gives in and it's like you're ill have a headache nasally go sit in bed and there's other times where it's like your body's fighting so hard that you just feel like drained for a full week and you're a little bit headache yeah. yeah i'm in that that kind of that phase of my body's still you know fighting i mean i'm in i'm fighting the good fight over here but it's, <laughs> it's I'm, I'm very tired <laughs> yeah that's unfortunate but uh at least you, you're getting through it, hopefully, question mark? Question mark, yeah. I accidentally bought the paracetamol that you dissolve uh, in water. Oh, no. And, oh, I tell you, they, they suck. I suppose yeah. it's, better, it's better, it's like quicker. Yeah. Because your body doesn't have to like, you know, dissolve it, go through it. Because it's straight liquid, it can permeate better. It gets my brain quicker, as we talked about last episode, the episode before. Go back. Two episodes ago. Yeah. Two episodes ago. Yeah. Um, how that works. Uh, like the cocks in my brain is definitely being blocked. I'll tell you that. Uh, cocks, number four, specifically number four. Uh, but yeah, it just tastes. I have no idea what you're on about. The, Cock um, number four. The parasite, COX, is the, the thing that it blocks. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. It's the, the, the receptor, I think. It's called the, 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 the pain trigger I can't remember what it was oh yeah a couple of episodes ago couple of we, episodes know, we knew ago. what we were talking about then <laughs> back when we, <laughs> we were just talking about how paracetamol works um, the cyclooxygenase which is responsible for the production of the prostaglandins um, oh yes those prostaglandins yeah it inhibit, inhibits the enzyme which is the cyclooxygenase production which is you know cool yeah well so I've got hopefully cox. that kicks in yeah well i've been having like a couple of day uh i was talking about it and i didn't realize you can take like up to i i had cocodamol back in a while ago last year and my doctor was like if you run, run out of cocodamol just take like eight paracetamols and i was like what yeah and he's like yeah it's fine just you know just drink water so you know it just doesn't destroy you that you kidneys or your livers or whatever it is it was like yeah but you can take eight paracetamols and be fine and it works i'm like oh okay it's like yeah it's just the equivalent I'm like right good to know for the future how much is in a paracetamol 500 um you can get gram was it 250 normally it's 500 500 milligrams yeah, so it's about the gram ones four before. grams four grams of uh, paracetamol oh right really fine okay well um if you listen to this Take your paracetamol responsibly. 
That's what I'm going to say. That, <laughs> yeah, that's actually that. That is what it is. <laughs> if you do take that much paracetamol, you need to remember to like drink two liters of water with it. Not straight away because then it will flush through your system, but like in the half an hour afterwards because it takes like half an hour to activate, doesn't it? So whilst that's going yeah, on, yeah, up to twenty minutes, I think. Twenty minutes, depending oh, on the uh, specifics. I th- or the delivery method. Yeah. Like whether like, it's sugar coated or capsule coated or as you've taken it today, uh, water coated. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? It's just it just tastes grimy. So I've had to yeah, put like the lemon juice with it. Uh, okay, that's my that's been my workaround. Especially when like, you get to the end and it's just like yes, a slurry. Preach. Yeah. 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 That well, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Well, uh, today paracetamol. <laughs> Parasites, that's what I meant. Um, I've got some quick news before that, though. And there's a lot going on at the minute. Um, So I'm going to skip over stuff like, you know, worst train disaster, environmental disaster of the the century that's being, uh, you know, all all of that. Wait, 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 wait. Don't, 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 don't jump across it too, too quickly. Um, I literally, just before... Uh, we hopped in here. I literally just saw another news article. Another one's gone. Yeah, so the one in Palestine, Ohio, which yeah. confused me for a few days, was yeah. just over two weeks ago now, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the one that had a lot of polyvinyl chloride that they were burning off and is now causing a humongous black cloud and acid rain for the local population. Yeah. And then there was one in J- Jersey? Was it no. Ohio still? I can't remember. Uh, Detroit. Detroit. Uh, uh, I Michigan. Think... Four hours ago, this was this was posted. Oh, another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, there was one like three days ago as well. <laughs> and this, yeah, there was another one in North North Suffolk again. So if you didn't realize at this point, America kind of like just stopped investing in this infrastructure about forty years ago. Yeah, and... but also a specific orange knobhead um, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, th- took away some <sighs> certain the, safety the, regulations the ecp breaks yeah which was was one of the things he didn't need so yeah um yeah because the, the, yeah. Like, i will keep an eye on so this much. though because it is like one of the worst in- environmental disasters we've currently seen so yeah. it'll be interesting to see how it develops over the next few weeks months and then maybe we can do an episode on it or something because the impacts are just unknown still like there's so much gone into the environment yeah i saw a scary video of someone that had like um that clean you can get like a clean air analyzer that it just analyzes the, the particulates per i don't know how many it is uh of a million air. or something yeah. yeah and it beeps when it gets dangerous and she was just walking around the house with it just going off and i was like oh no yeah um Pretty tragic, really. So hopefully that shit gets sorted out. But uh, we shall yeah, see. We shall. Um, Rolls Royce also getting in on the interstellar engine game. I don't know if you that caught your eye. I thought no. that may be uh, spacey and up your category. Yeah, they released a prototype interstellar engine. Right. Um, and uh, uranium-laced aerogel seems to be the next major candidate for interstellar fuel. So a lot going on this week. And none of that I'm focusing on because... Uh, well, you know, it's just uh, not that close to home. 
well, the environmental one is, but we can do a full episode on that when, when we know more details. Mm. What yeah. I wanted to talk about today, though, is something very interesting. I think long overdue, um, a study was published on the 14th, so three days ago is the time of this coming out, in Nature Communications, about an on-demand male contraceptive pill. So we have the, the morning after pill, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if uh, you have unprotected sex and you don't want to um, have a child, you have the pill the next day and it, you know, deals with all of that. But imagine there was a pill for men, but you take it an hour before. Right, okay. So essentially, they've done this in mice and it's been 100% effective. Um, sperm mature and have their mobility thanks to a protein called soluble adenylyl cyclase. And basically, the pill contains an inhibitor for that protein. And it stops cells, uh, sperm cells interacting with the soluble adenylyl cyclase by blocking its receptor sites. And it means that they're unable to mature or move. And this lasts for a yeah. full day. It okay. takes about up to an hour to work and then lasts for a day. Um, so the next mm. step is now human trials. Um, but I think that's pretty cool. Hmm. definitely long overdue in my head because this comes without you know unfortunately um things like the pill and things like that lead to massive hormonal swings and like uh, blood clots and other interactions that are just way too out of my depth to to answer um but like this doesn't come with any of those problems and i feel like it's just yeah just really really overdue and kind of like great news if this works out hmm would it, do you reckon people will use it as like a constant, like every day you take it, or do you reckon it'd be like um, uh, maybe you know maybe I'll get <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll get lucky this weekend and I'll start taking I'll get it now. lucky to take one. Yeah. Um, I guess like that they haven't touched on in the study from what I read. They didn't explore or they didn't mention the effects of taking it day and day and day and day. Um, but that would be like ideal, right? To put the onus on the the man for once who's going to have much less side effects um, from taking said pill. But of course, it needs to go to human trials. Um, but I think it's just a really good development, really, because I know there were talks of injections within the NHS for male contraceptives. Yeah. But I haven't heard about that for a year or two. There's also the um, the testicle microwave as well. Have you seen that one? No. That you sounds like, painful. Yeah, uh, you, it's like... <laughs> It's hard to describe. It's like a, the shape of a Pringle on the bottom of it, but then imagine it like it's like a cup, and you put your testicles into. I'm making it sound like you take them off. It's like you like <laughs> you put the, you cup your balls, you cup right? the, yeah, around the balls, and it like I can't if like vibrates or emits something, but essentially stops production for a set amount of time. Okay, yeah. oh, I hadn't heard of that. Yeah. That one, I think, scares me a bit more because, like... You could overdo it. Yeah. Self-use. Yeah, yeah. That, that's one that, like, in, my, in, in the back of my mind, is like, if you keep using this, surely eventually it'll do, do some damage. <laughs> like, Yeah, you'd imagine so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so hopefully, um, exciting stuff coming forward in yeah. terms of uh, the male contraceptive world. Right. Parasites, not paracetamol. Yeah, parasites. I've actually got some facts today. I've also got some facts as well. Um, so that's two weeks in a row. I'm keeping a, cha- a tally. Um, what, what have you got? 
Uh, so, what, just in general or the facts? Go go for some facts. I'll what, lay down what, some What's going on over there? Yeah. Nuggets of knowledge. Uh, the word leech comes from the old English word for physician because bloodletting, often via leeches, was a mainstay of tr- uh, treatment over 2,000 years ago. So that's why leeches are called leeches. Ah. Um, Fair. And also, if you didn't know, this, this one I, I, I kind of, I always re- remember vaguely what it is, then always forget it. But because barbers often used to act as surgeons, this is ridiculous. The red stripes on barber poles symbolizes bloodletting. So do you know when you got like the spinning oh, the red yeah, yeah. poles that go around? Yeah, that's that's the blood that the barbers are letting via oh. the leeches. Hopefully not these days. No, no. I've given up going to barbers. I've talked about this with Grace. Yeah, I just, just can't. Pull your hair even... out. No, I go to hairdressers now. Oh, I just, I just I see. can't I just can't be dealing with and I'm not sure if this is like a, t- a toxic masculinity kind of deal, but barbers can just fucking do one. I just can't. Okay. Be, I can't be bothered to deal with like the the pseudo masculine talk that always happens that I just don't care for. Oh, I see. Yeah, and it, it's um, the talking. It's the talking that just puts me off, and like the the fades that they, people have. Like I don't have like I got one big old receipt going on. <laughs> I can't get a fade, but I I just find it intimidating and horrible and just not a good experience. That's fair. I'm not sure if this, this I is have like to a, say my... me, a me thing, a hundred percent a me thing. No, no, it's not. It's not a you thing. That is a common thing, for sure. I I used to prefer going to the hairdresser. Um, now I'm a student, so I can't afford that. But uh, I'd say the hairdresser here, uh, the barber here, is all right. He doesn't care if you talk. Like I feel like he prefers not talking. Oh, that's, that's, um, that's, so that makes it better. That's the dream. Makes it easier. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've got one which I thought quite interesting when it comes to thinking about parasites. Is that parasitic species make up to fifty percent of the diversity on our planet, depending how you measure diversity. Uh, won't go into that today. Um, it's a widespread, incredibly effective form of survival. And I think that makes a very interesting kind of thought when you come to like conserving a species. More often than not, they're going to have a parasite associated with them. Yeah. So you're also saving the parasite, um, whether you want to or not, even if they're causing a significant portion of the decline. You kind of have to save both, you know, sides of the, the spectrum there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's not something I'd actually thought about till I was researching that today. That's fair. Yeah. We've got a couple more. One of them's horrifying. And I've told okay. this before, and I'll finish on that one because it's always really good. Um, but you know, there's something called a hyperparasite. No. So parasites can have their own parasites. Uh, and these parasites can also have their own parasites too. So we're like, do you know, it's like turtles all the way down. Yeah. It's like parasites all the way down, mate. They're called hyperparasites. Yeah. So on the How many until you get to a hyper? One. Is that like three steps down? No, that's oh, okay. one step down. It's got a hyperparasite. Because there's like, you know, hyper giga. <laughs> yeah, the gigasite. <laughs> Kilo. <laughs> Kilo parasite. Gigaparasite. Yeah, you know. Terra parasite. That's a, that's a bit, you know, yeah. that's when you get a bit scary. The Google plexasite. Yeah. Um, Pentasite. That's a good name. 
It's a good name. That's scary. Uh, second, that's, second, good, that's a good song name, that. Two more. What, Pentasite? Yeah, that is good. Yeah. Uh, by definition, and I've said this for years, uh, babies are parasites. Babies? Yeah, babies. The parasitic. Hmm. We'll get onto the definition. Okay. We, we can, uh, yeah, we can argue that when it comes to the definition. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and the last one, which people, are, if do you want to end on know, this one, because I got a couple as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, you go. You go for the your couple. And we'll come back to this. Well, I'll, I'll just do one kind of gross. The largest parasite ever found on a human was a tapeworm that was twenty-five oh. meters long. <clears throat> Tapeworms. <clears throat> um, that was eighty-two feet for you non. How much that people. meters? 25 meters. 25 meters. How much? How far is that miles? Um, I don't know. How many furlongs is that? <laughs> At least one. <laughs> it's not. It's not one furlong. Oh, it is now. Um, well, and that was removed from a patient uh, in 2014. 2014. So that was a fairly recent mm-hmm. one. Uh, um, nearly a decade. But okay. Oh, that's tragic. <laughs> Okay, cool, cool. That's 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 the energy we just have today. Call, just calling out a lot of people that were just like having a good day, and then suddenly I was boom. not ready for that. Okay, I'm <laughs> um, just gonna skate past that fact. Um, and the next one, I came across this from a seminar that was given at uni um, by someone working with this and trying to save monk seals. And it's a really interesting dynamic between a parasite called Toxoplasmosis gondii, mm-hmm. which um, basically is a parasite of cats. Oh, and perpetuates yes. its life cycle through cats. Mm-hmm. Um, and I may come back to this later because it is very interesting. But other than cats, it'll infect anything that kind of ingest it, really, including humans. In the US, at any given time, it is predicted that 11% of the population is infected with this parasite. And multiple sources claim that this number can rise up to 60% in other places in the world. Yet none of those sources claim where that place actually is. So I feel like they're all just kind of copying it from each other. Um, anyway, you may be, if you've got a cat, go get checked. I mean, it's not really going to do much to you, but you'll know. Maybe you have it. Just to scare you, cat people. This is why dogs are better. So I went there. The reason that I, I always remember um, toxoplasmosis is because there's a lot of if you are pregnant and you get the infection, there is a high chance that your child could have hearing loss. And when I used yeah, to I think the, you're right. At the, when I used to work at the deaf school, it was one of the things they, they talked about is like, um, and Pete, they, they they can get it easier, or they they have it. They're more likely to have it. I, I don't want it is, but it was a case of like it can be what, passed congenitally, always, so always from mother to child. Yeah, yeah, toxoplasmosis. Yeah. All right, what's your what's your fact to end on then? Oh, my absolutely fact, fact. Um, if your pillow is more than two years old, ten percent of its weight is mite feces in dead mites. It's ruining lots of people's days. Okay, so I'm glad my pillows are new. Yeah, we got, we got new pillows as well. <laughs> I'm going to... Uh, so what, I should be changing them out yearly? Is that is that a thing? 
Even at a year, that's 5% weight. Yeah, I reckon you could go for like... Basically, the threshold of when you want to change your pillow is how much of a percentage of the weight you mind being dead mice and dead mite and mite mite feces. Yeah, yeah. So like, what's your threshold? 5%? I I don't expect it's a linear increase. Because that's not how oh, mice work. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's going to be exponential, surely, because if there's more mice. Well, no, if it was exponential, then eventually you just wouldn't have a pillow. Like, yeah, it, that's, that's probably the case. kept at a like oh, um, okay. sustainable like, yeah. population. A critical right? mass of mites. Exactly. Yeah. So the dead build up at a constant rate, I'd imagine, uh, once you get that maximum threshold. <laughs> once you hear that, you know, if there's any biologist listening, who really have nothing better to do and there's a lot there's been a lot of scientific studies in in the history that have been like why you might maybe do this find out what the critical mass of mite to pillow ratio is <laughs> do a poll those always go well <laughs> what's your threshold of uh pillow to mite rate weight <laughs> So yeah, that's where, disgusting. Cool. Where do I'm you gonna start airing out my <laughs> four uh, out of five biologists recommend you change your pillow after two years? <laughs> uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, right, twenty minutes into the show, parasitism. Yeah, well, we you know, um, we haven't not been talking about it, but let's do like a oh, very true. loose, a very loose. Um, what is it, mate? Well, what is what is, it, what is a parasite? Um, parasitism, I've gone for the, the more oh. than a parasite in, spe- in specifically, okay. is a type of symbiotic relationship between two organisms uh, in which one organism, I, the parasite, lives in or on another organism, the host. And the parasite benefits at the expense of the host, deriving nutrients, energy, shelter from the host, while the host is harmed in some way. Maybe through reduced growth, reproduction, or survival. I got confused because I thought symbiotic meant they like work together. No, symbiotic just means two things together, oh, and they okay. have an interaction. And whether that is positive, neutral, or mm. negative, there's actually four categories um, okay. of symbiotic relationships that we have in biology. Go for it. Um, and I forgot to write all of those down. Well, obviously, there's like mutualism, yeah. parasitism. There, so mutualism is where they both benefit. Parasitism, yeah, like, like the rhino and the bird. Yeah, parasitism is where one benefits and the other is harmed. Maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, there's one where neither are harmed and neither benefit. Okay. So like, they just coexist in the same space. Like, let's say us and spiders, like. They oh, kill flies. We don't really deal, bother them. They don't really bother us. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Um, like house spiders, not like black widows and tarantulas that are running on water, things yeah. like that. And then the fourth one is, I think, both negative. Like both species are negatively affected. So you got mutualism, com- communalism, which is us and the spiders. Parasitism and com- competition is the last. Oh, one there we said. go. P- competition. That's yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, but parasitism is what we're on today, and yeah, there are many different types. Oh, a vector is probably worth uh, defining as well. 
So if a host is the species or individual suffering from negative effects, right? The parasite is the species or individual benefiting from the relationship. And a vector is very critical to the life cycle of parasites and is normally like an intermediate species. So, or an intermediate like scenario. How do children get worms? Well, they eat poo, right? Poo is the vector in that that situation, right? Ah, see... Uh, the way that vector. infection occurs. It's a mathematical term, Tom. It's well, represented yeah. by an arrow. With both direction <laughs> and magnitude. Whoa. Victor! Because um, <laughs> I commit crimes both with direction and magnitude. Oh, yeah! You've lo- oh, okay, you'd lost me for a long time there until you went, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's um, Despicable Me. It's the guy. Yeah, I, I got you now. I got yeah. you. He was the orange jump shoot. So there's that guy, yeah. and there's the, the mathematical vectors, um, some coding vectors as well. But in terms of parasitism, it is like the method mm-hmm. or mm. species which causes infection. So in toxoplasmosis, it's like cats eating poop as well. I think yeah. it's one of the ways. Yeah, do it. So the vector there would be the poop. Um, and yeah. That's that's what I've got. So I'd like to debate your babies being parasites. Oh, yeah. You can how they fit into one, that relationship. I, you know, not not debate. Uh, just how does the babies fit into this? Uh, into they're parasites. This they, they live off the host. Right. By, by definition. That's parasitic. Is the, the, not, the, the, the host doesn't get de- anything. Is it detrimental to the host? Yeah. But they do get something. They are increasing their reproductive fitness. They're, they're what? No, they're not. That's not of a Of course thing. they are. Reproductive fitness? Yes, it is. What reproductive is fitness. It's they're passing on their genes. They're passing on their DNA. Like... I'm not, I don't want to say the point of life, of course, but like evolutionarily, Ooh. that's how Ooh. genes get passed on, right? Ooh. Yeah, but uh, that's, that's okay. if they survive. So that's and a they measure get to a re- reproductive age fitness. So that if the babies yeah. get to the age to pass on until then, you know, I don't think that's a good litmus test. But especially in humans. But like in terms of, because you know, the parasite definition here was while the host is harmed in some way, such as through reduced growth, reproduction, yeah. or survival. Reduced growth. So if you don't eat more because of the parasite, you will have reduced growth and become ill. Right, but they have greatly increased reproduction, reproductive output. That's one of one of the things that you said. I haven't got, I haven't got the same right, thing okay. written down. But one of the things that you said is just one area of. So we're one for one. I've got a parasite. Is always in that lives on or in a host organism and gets food from or at the expense of the host. That is, that is, yeah. that is the, the but definition I feel like that I'm going to. that's an to. unwilling symbiotic relationship. Like most people, I want to say most people plan to have a baby. Not everyone plans, but like, you know, it's happening and it's like of your own species. Like I'm wondering, can you parasitize your own species? Yeah. Interesting. Okay, uh, let us know what you think at home uh, at Info Entropy Pod. I'd like to hear people's thoughts on this. That's an interesting uh, conversation to have. The human fetus and the placenta have a different genotype from the mother. The fetus has been described before as acting in a parasitic way. 
It avoids rejection by the mother and exerts considerable influence over her metabolism for its own benefit, in particular, diverting blood and nutrients. So, you know, can be debated. Can be debated. Do I typed in our baby's parasites and the first thing is like, so the fetus isn't a parasite and the, uh, the, the sentence before that is very questionable. And then I looked at it like, oh, it's Cora. Okay, I should not be looking at this. <laughs> the placenta okay. really does act like a parasite, apparently. Yeah, um, so scientifically speaking, a fetus is parasitic. Uh a couple of reasons. First one, there most, is oh, most there people are mistake many debates about this in the scientific community. There are Holy. There's loads. Wow. But first point, you, you said about, you know, it having to be a different um species. Uh not true. In intraspecies parasitism is a reality. Anglerfish and cuckoo bees have egg-based parasitism. Okay. We talked about cuckoos and cuckoo bees. We did, yeah. Last week. Yeah. Um yeah, so there's a few. There's, there's, this guy okay. has nine points. Cancer cells share the same DNA as the person afflicted with them, and cancer cells. That's true. Cancer is a parasite. I, I could agree with that. Mm-hmm. I just think like none of these things are willing, but like a baby can't. can't it it just increases reproductive like fitness. So in my head, that's like a good thing on the large by and large. Um, but I'm thinking about it from a very biological perspective. Of course. Um, okay, interesting. Mm. If anybody wants to come on and debate, let us know. Oh, 100%. Come uh, on up here. Um, <laughs> so one of the reasons I find parasitism so interesting, and I went down a massive rabbit hole at uni today instead of doing the work I should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and one of the things I come to, and I always come to this example because it's just... It's not quite as disgusting as your pillow one, but if you think about it happening to like you, it kind of is. And this doesn't happen in humans, luckily. So, Cymothoa exigua, or the tongue-eating louse, is a parasitic isopod. And imagine a a wood louse, and it's like half white, half black, doesn't have a massively hard shell. Um, This is what it does. The female enters through the fish's gills, right, and comes to the mouth. What it then does is using its front claws, it severs the blood vessels of the tongue in the fish mm-hmm. and then just waits for a little bit until the tongue uh, suff- suffers necrosis yep. from yep. a lack of blood yep. and falls off. Yep. Maybe the fish swallows it. We don't know. The parasite, then using its hind legs, grabs onto the remaining tongue stub, right? So it leaves a little bit so the fish can still move its tongue around as it normally would. And then the parasite just becomes the fish's tongue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you said it about the tongue thing, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I, read, I have read about this in the past. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, this is beneficial for the parasite because as food comes in, um, it just gets to take little nibbles as stuff goes by. Um, it also spends its life as a tongue. Could be relaxing for some. Get to see the sights out of the fish's uh, mouth. Um, obviously, it's bad for the fish because, you know, losing your tongue's not great. Um, but other than losing the tongue, like, this parasite is so perfectly adapted to be a pretend tongue that 
as soon as the parasite reattaches, the fish doesn't lose that much. So obviously it's not great that it loses a tongue, but then it gets a replacement prosthetic tongue that just steals a little bit of food. Yeah. Um, and then the male version of this parasite sits in the gill arches of the fish and um, just co- kind of constantly also steals food and supplies the female with sperm. Um, so yeah, I kind of think about that and I just kind of... Th- I'm glad I'm not a fish sometimes, you know? Sometimes you have those moments. <laughs> I'm glad I'm that. not a fish because, yeah. yeah, it really does. Um, but that's one of my favourite examples uh, to bring out because um, it's just really, really bloody interesting. Yeah. Of, of all parasites ever. It's just a, like a really unique one that really shows like the... Because parasitism in terms of evolution is just such a massive power play. Like, I'm going to parasitize and specialize so much that I can only affect you and replace your tongue. Like, how did we get there? Like, what happened in evolution Mm. to make that happen and become so specialized? It's just really interesting to me. Um, I had a parasitism module at uni, but it was specifically fish parasitism. Um, And I opted not to take it. And uh, maybe I should have. It would have been interesting. Yeah, Mr. Trick there. I think everyone who did it was like, it is interesting, but there's just so much Latin going on that they regretted it. <laughs> Which is fair. Absolutely whole, fair. But, ton of Latin. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you got a favourite parasite? Have you got any uh, case studies you'd like to dive into? I've got a few, but I, I kind of like had a look at The Last of Us. Oh, yes. Uh, I can't remember what they're called. They call them cordyceps in the show. For those that okay. don't know what The Last of Us is, it's a video game of uh, a story, kind of like story-driven, mainly focused on the story, uh, of like a zombie outbreak happening. Um, with the two main characters, Joel and Ellie, who just kind of, not fight their way, but travel across... United States trying to find his brother kind of like what happens but they're called cordyceps and the whole spiel is it's based off of the zombie ant uh, parasite that jumps to humans it's made that evolutionary jump to humans pretty good one to make yeah not for us but if you were that parasite yeah, like if you, if you, yeah, <laughs> good, good for that parasite. But yeah, it's interesting. It's 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 a different take on zombies because they're not like Grace and I were talking about this. But it's like World War Z zombies, um, twenty eight days later zombies, and another one. We're going through like different examples of Zombie Land zombies. Um, I don't think they really focus on like the actual zombieism in Zombieland. Um, there's another one I can't remember. Oh, I see. Uh, so I thought you just threw out general types like slow, fast, like which zombies do you want? Yeah, yeah. So, so Robble, <laughs> so Robble Z, they're they're fast, and if there's enough of them, they act as like a modulus mass. Essentially, they become a wave yeah. of zombie. Um, Daisy, not Daisy. Um, 28 days and 28 weeks later they're really aggressive 
Like, they'll just, like, rip people to shreds. Same as, like, uh, <laughs> one of the dead. They just start, like, chewing up people. Which, yeah. to me, has never really made sense if it's, like, this infection that wants to spread. So The Last of Us does the, the good flip. Yeah, that does make sense. No, nah, because you don't want to destroy the hosts that you're... No, but if you... So, in, like, The Walking Dead, the parasite attaches to the central nervous system. Um... And so it makes them more aggressive, which allows them to pass on the parasite. Mm. But the eating, some of them, but not all of them, fuels the current parasite. So there's kind of like a careful balance Mm. of transmission as well as uh, feeding the current ones. Yeah. But in The Last of Us, it leans more into the, it's all about proliferation. Yeah. Instead of just like damaging the host, like there's, there's episode two. I'm not going to go into like too much massive spoilers, but like someone doesn't fight back against one of these zombies and gets infected in a way that A is super creepy, but B is just like, yeah, they're really trying to not damage the host. Okay. Um, which, you know, makes sense when you think about it. Uh, but in the, yeah, like, yeah. one of the latest episodes, there's, there's one that. Grace and I initially went, huh, that kind of doesn't make sense. And it's called a bloater. And it's essentially like a massive infected. And we kind of came to the idea of it's like a warrior ant, like a soldier ant, that if there's, you know, humans that are stopping other infected going round, it'll bring out this soldier ant to take down that one human that is damaging its proliferation cycle. Okay. I've not seen The Last of Us yet. Uh, is it anything like a boomer from Left 4 Dead? No, no. It's like it's like a um, okay, like a tank. Okay, like just imagine just like you've got one like beefy, twice the size, big and beefy. Okay. Uh, instead yeah. of like infecting this one guy, it just rips his head off. But I think it's because he it saw him as like a massive threat because he kills like a good twenty infected. So it comes okay. out and goes, oh, this guy is not going down. He's too much of a threat. We'll take him down. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But a lot Some of people kicked off. Yeah, a lot there. of people kicked off. Well, so in The Last of Us, it's all it's hive mind based, which I think could be, oh, okay. if you were trying to survive, that's the worst one you want to come across. Yeah, that'd be like absolutely horrific. 28 days later, if you like kill, if you come across like one and you kill it, that's fine. It's one and done. If you even like make a noise near one in the left dead it's like oh what's that i hear on the distance the the stamping feet of ten thousand zombies coming running in this one direction because they're all interconnected so yeah. it, it takes that like uh parasitic if you imagine it like sprawling across the floor and like grows and spreads essentially it's all connected like that so when even if okay. you like step on the floor if there's like um, the cordyceps like strands that will alert them to your presence as well oh it's yeah, not that's just not great. yeah it's not just like the fungi's in the humans it still exists in this world as well yeah. that sucks yeah it, I mean it, great it, adaptation oh it is great really good adaptation good spin on the whole like zombie thing um, yeah. and they do it really well like the clickers <laughs> is uh, so in the game, there are as an evolution of they, there's, there's different ones and they get to different stages. But essentially, 
I'll go back to a runner because they found something out. Well, they didn't really, they released some information about them, which I think is absolutely horrific. But a clicker is like third stage. Their whole head becomes like, looks a bit like a mushroom, like an open, um, not like a, like a, not like a stereotypical mushroom, like a, a, a was it a brown top? I like, uh, right. one of the ones that looks like a V. Like a, like a, almost like a collection of like, um, scarlet mushrooms or something. Yeah. 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 Um, and that essentially takes over the whole face so they can't see anymore. So what they do is they, um, they like click their teeth together and use echolocation. And nice. Absolutely terrifying. Cause there's one point you just hear this like, you're like, Oh no, <laughs> run very quietly for cover. Um, yeah. But they release some. They release some information about like when you're at that first stage, where the um, the parasite's in control of the brain, and it's not taken over enough. There, essentially, you're still awake but not in control, and it just feels like oh, you're no. having a nightmare or like a bad trip, and that you're attacking your loved ones in a nightmare, but actually you're doing it in real life. And I was like, oh. I'd rather just kill me. <laughs> I'd rather, yeah. I'd rather just like Walking Dead style, just killed the brain and then, you know, reached control. That's kind of traumatic. Yeah. So um, so for people who don't know maybe about the zombie ant thing or yeah, I was gonna how that go would back. even translate to humans, do you want to cover that? So the Cordyceps is a family... I'm not going to massacre this. There's lots, of, there's lots of O's and Y's in this word that... And then there's at the end of it, there's an E, then an A, then another E. I don't know how uh, that works. Don't worry, I've been uh, discussing French with people at uni and how that <laughs> language shouldn't exist for how it looks. So it's like or, just give it a go. Orphiocordyceptaceae is like the full Latin, the family name. Okay. It's a white nice. genus, uh, first described scientifically by the British British mycologist. Mycologist? Mycologist? Yeah, Tom Petch in 1931. Uh, And it contains about 140 species that grow on in and around insects. Oh, so they're specific, like, insect... Yeah, they've got their... They've got their one specialisation that they've gone for. Their one insect they're good with. Um, Okay. So, yeah. So one complex species, which is called the uh, Cordyceps unilateralis is known for the parasitism of ants in which it alters the behaviors of the ants in which way that it propagates itself more effectively killing the ant and then growing its fruiting bodies from the ant's head and releasing its spores um a fun fact a 48 million year old fossil of an ant in the death grip of the cordyceps was discovered in germany Really? Yeah. So this is the the cordyceps have been around for forty eight million years, and the fact that that's not like they could do that then is yeah. what's even more staggering. Like, wow. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um. So you know, if people, that if, very, if people, if really people are scared random... about it, like jumping, probably would have done it before now. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize how much information we had about like parasites in the fossil record. And I came across today the fact that we know certain 
Tyrannosaurus rex species had parasites that caused them to have holes in their skin and bones. Bones. Like, how do we know that? Hmm. Yeah, really weird. Um, But they were like, this really looks like it can't really have come from anything else. And we have kind of modern day examples that cause similar things. Um, So that's the best guess of what it is right now anyway. Uh, That's pretty mad. You don't really think about dinosaurs like the T-Rex having parasites. No, or like a zombie T-Rex. Oh, that'd be terrifying. That would be terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know, because uh, it was just like climb into a high place and then just like spread it. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine like a T-Rex, like trying to climb a tree. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, carry on. I interrupted there. Yeah, so I went, I went into that because I wanted to know why and how like it works with these, these ants. So it's an ant species called the Camptonontus leonardi. Leonardi. Um, they live high, in can- high up in the canopy. And they have an extensive network of aerial trails. Sounds really cool. Essentially, they just walk from like tree to tree. Um, and sometimes the canopy gaps are too difficult to cross. The ants' trails, they then descend to the tree floor where they're exposed to these spores. It's like the danger zone. Um, and then the, the spores uh, attach to the exoskeleton and eventually break through using mechanical pressure and enzymes. <laughs> Sounds horrific. Um, mechanical wait the fungi breaks through yeah with mechanical pressure the, the fungi they break that's through. just a very fancy way of saying with force yes yeah <laughs> uh-huh yeah that's aggressive yeah and like other fungi pathogenics to insects genus the fungi targets a specific host species so that's what they're very specialized uh, despite this, the fungi may parasite other closely related species of the ants with lesser degrees of host manipulation and reproductive success. So if they don't find the one specific one they're really good at and they find someone that's close, they can still get in there but not do it to a greater extent. Which makes sense. Like yeah. evolutionary, like over 48 plus million years, they've being in an evolutionary arms race just to keep up with a specific species plant like dna and how the the system works and how they need to change things in the brain or mm-hmm. central nervous system whatever so it makes sense they can still infect closely related species but not affect them in the same way yeah yeah that's cool yeah so then in the yeast stages of the fungus it spreads in the ant's body and presumably produces compounds that affect the ants chemosole sole sole using the evolutionary trait of being an extended phenotype to manipulate the behavior patterns exhibited by the ants. So I try to, you know, have a look into why, because it never really specifies, like, what happens. But apparently the fungus is able to manipulate the ants' behavior by directly altering the, the ants' brain chemistry. And studies have found that infected ants have an elevated level of certain neurotransmitters, such as dopamine, which as we spoke about about last episode, a few episodes ago, um, it plays a role in the brain's reward and motivational systems. So it's possible that the fungus is somehow able to mimic or enhance the effects of these neurotransmitters, causing the ant to exhibit behaviours that are beneficial to the fungus' reproductive success. So essentially it's like, Oh, you want to go higher, oh. and then when it starts going higher, it's like dopamine. <laughs> it's 
So the red, yeah. the, the ant's like, yes, this is what I. This, Essentially, this is good this is like for me. conditioning the ant, right? Like, yeah. oh, more light and higher equals more dopamine. Yeah. Uh huh. That's mad. That so, actually offer a really good system as well to get to a very specific height. Because if you yes. just increase the dopamine until you can't increase it anymore, then the ant doesn't have any more like motivation to go any higher, and that's where it clamps on and does its fungi thing. Do you know what's absolutely incredible as well? The specificity that the um, parasite will, will go to to get a location. Okay. So the ant will climb up to the stem of the plant and using its mandibles, which is its front little pincers, uh, with abnormal force, so more strength than it can normally produce because, you know, it's had its brain shackles taken off. Um, we talked about those before about uh, certain children and mothers <laughs> being able to yeah. uh, release like more strength than they possibly would because you know in certain situations essentially they do that but they, they use it to secure themselves to a leaf vein uh, but it's very specifically 26 centimeters above the forest floor on the north side of the plant in an environment with 94 to 95% humidity and temperatures between 20 and 30 degrees Celsius. That's 68 to 86 Fahrenheit. Damn. And if it's, when it once it gets to that specific, uh, it then, you know, grows out by about a centimeter and then releases the spores. And it's, the infection rate will lead to 20 to 30 dead ants per square meter. That's mad. Yeah. So, I wonder, like, is it the parasite being so specific, or is it the parasite affecting the ant that makes it feel uncomfortable in anything other than that? Probably, probably uncomfortable. Being like, yeah, is there an opposite of dopamine that you can get? Uh, I mean, cortisol is the stress hormone. Yeah, but it probably releases it probably releases stress hormones until it like finds the right place. That's mad. Yeah. Very cool, though. So, oh, wow. Very cool indeed. So once the mandibles are, of the ant are secured to the leaf vein, antrophy quickly sets in, destroying the connection in the muscle fibres and reducing the mitochondria and the sarcoplasmic reticular. So the ant is no longer able to control the muscles of the mandible and remains fixed in place even if it's still, you know, alive in there. Oh no! Uh, the, the locked door trait is popularly known as a death grip, and is essential for the for the fungal's life cycle. Yeah, I mean it makes sense, but it's mad that it could just like overtake that. It's like okay, yeah, now it's done. It ceases. It. It's not like it ceases. It. it just destroys the muscles, so it can't. Um, a study in Thailand revealed that there's a synchronization of this manipulated biting behavior at solar noon. Yeah. The fungus then kills the ants, oh, okay. and then and it continues to grow its uh, hyperphage, which is the big thing that sticks out of its head, invading more soft tissue and structurally fortifying the ant's exoskeleton. Uh, more cilia then sprout out of the ants, securing anchoring to the plant substrate while secreting antimicrobials to ward off competition. When the fungi is ready to reproduce, its fruit bodies grow from the ant's head and rupture, releasing the spores. This process takes four to ten days, and the dead ants are found Wait, in so areas termed graveyards containing high densities of dead ants, 
previously infected by the same fungus. So this mother trucking fungal parasite <laughs> picks its thing, yeah, controls where it goes, yeah, destroys its mouth joints after it's bitten onto a leaf, yeah, in a very specific place, yeah, grows out of its feet to anchor better, yeah. Reinforces its exoskeleton yeah. so that it's stronger than it yeah. was when it was alive. Mm-hmm. Produces antimicrobial components so that yeah. bacteria doesn't come and mess its day up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's mad. Yeah. That's absolutely mad. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So well designed. So well designed. Yeah. Uh wow! I wonder if they've ever tried to, to use that as like uh, antibiotic antibiotics. Well, internally, like surely no. Like um, I wonder if humans have taken those antimicrobial products uh, to try and make a medicine from them. Maybe. Well, Imagine so. So I think humans can eat these, and it's fine. And they people do. Oh. Um. Cool. Did we not? Did we learn nothing from COVID? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, you're safe if you're not an ant. Um, I swear I saw somewhere like, uh, people have been eating them for ages. That's fine. All right. Well, whatever does it for you, I guess. Yeah. So. You know. <laughs> um, I've got another oh, example. Wait, that's not, very... So, <laughs> the decomposed plants can be psychedelic. They're also delicious. Ah, uh, well, that that makes sense. Yeah, that yeah, hundred percent makes sense. Yeah, you yeah, start fair. fucking. <laughs> I was wondering whether that <laughs> start, was going to be the reason why people are eating that you're them. attacking your yeah. friend, your friends, and your family, and then oh wait, yeah, and then you're standing on the top of a building with a flower sprouting out your forehead. <laughs> on the north side of course yes in 90 to 94% humidity well I hate that anyway so hopefully I'll never be in that place um, yeah if you ever see me hanging around 90% humidity you, I'm infected just get away she's ever be like um, Mitchell, I need to go on holiday like what <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling like 90 to 95% humidity I'm like <laughs> Do you, do you only know? Do you know any north-facing places? <laughs> um, I've got another very interesting and specific interaction um, to go over, and I'll try and do this in the remaining five minutes that we've got. Um, I think I've spoken to you about this before, and it's to do with crabs, <laughs> right? So there's a method. There's six categories or strategies that parasites fall into, and of course, being biologists we make categories and then realize they're probably wrong and uh, but they're too entrenched in the system now to change so some of the some species fall into multiple categories but basically the categories are directly transmitted you know the parasite goes straight into the host trophically transmitted it's transmitted by being eaten vector transmitted as we discussed at the top of the show there's a third party or intermediate host uh, parasitoids will uh, infect a host and then later kill that host and you've got micro predators as, as well such as um, mosquitoes because they suck blood mm-hmm. and then that helps transmit 
Um, but the final one is called parasitic castration. And it's as terrible as it sounds. So, mm-hmm. parasitic castrators partly or completely destroy their host's ability to reproduce. Oh, no. Um, the other systems remain intact, allowing it to the host to survive and to sustain the parasite. And one specific example of this is a parasite, uh, a parasitic barnacle. So, you know, like a limpet, the things you find on rocks. Um, we have a few species of barnacle in the UK. You'll find them on ships as well. Uh, it's called Sacculina. The, the, the family is, the genus. Mm-hmm. And this specifically causes damage to the gonads of their many species of host, crab. So to fully understand how this works, I'm going to talk about the crab reproductive cycle very quickly, because um, not everyone may be prone to this knowledge. So if you've ever turned a crab upside down or seen a crab shell, on the underside, towards like where the butt would be, they've got like a flap that kind of hangs down. Mm-hmm. And this is how they like excrete things and get things out of their body. But it's also where the female crab will hold their eggs. Um, and it kind of is like in a massive glob under the shell between like this flap and the shell. That's where they secure their eggs whilst um, they're growing. And this is where the parasite enters or disrupts the cycle. It tricks a female crab basically it goes in and eats the gonads so it can't produce any eggs or anything Mm -hmm. that's the first thing it does then it tricks the crab into thinking that it's pregnant right and slowly a sac will expand into where the eggs are normally held and this egg sac it's not normally a sac in crabs but when they're infected this parasite this basically egg sac grows over time the crab goes round thinking it's pregnant. You know, it's got all the hormone cues that it would have if it were pregnant. Yeah. Because this parasite can control that. Yeah. Um, tells the crab it's pregnant. It, you know, looks after the eggs, makes sure everything's okay. Then this sac kind of like explodes and all of the barnacle parasites get released into the water stream to then go and affect other crabs. Now, what's most or very fascinating about this is when this parasite comes into contact with a male crab. The parasite will destroy the gonads of the male as well to about one third of their previous size. What this does, in turn, is the male crabs start to exhibit traditionally female characteristics. Mm-hmm. Their claws get smaller. They get broader abdomens. The tail thing on the underside of the carapace gets slightly broader as well, so it can clutch eggs better. The male crabs then get all the hormones, tricking them, telling them that they are pregnant, and they start acting like pregnant females. So they're protecting their egg clutch, which is actually just the egg clutch of this barnacle. And then they go through the same process as well. So these crabs are rendered un... You know, they can't reproduce anymore. But for the entirety of the rest of their lives, they just keep producing parasitic egg sacs, thinking all is normal in the world. And yeah, it just kind of blows my mind. Again, kind of along the same vein as this very specific adaptation of the parasite. Just how? How? 
it's just madness it's so specific and precise to know exactly what hormones to release and when to do it and how to attack certain parts of the crab whilst leaving everything else in place and yeah just really really interesting yeah interesting or horrific (laughs) both (laughs) just both absolutely both absolute both yeah like if these things happened in humans like just suddenly you know next week you're pregnant and then you give birth to not a human baby and uh, then you're just like oh yeah that's normal yeah that'd be wild that would be crazy well it's changelings do that don't they fantasy you don't give birth but uh, you the changeling parent comes and then switches out the baby for the changeling oh yes yeah like the cuckoo like the cuckoos yeah um well that was it was like Nick's Wicks the Wick saga I don't know uh it's this uh series on Netflix where they like this normal person finds out that oh you can actually do magic and oh there's the magic realm and there's magic spells and stuff and oh actually you're really powerful but why are you so powerful and they find out that she's actually a changeling and that you, you really oh. should be teaching changelings magic because of some, some reason um yeah classic um classic I've, I've been I'm further in that the, the poppy war book that we spoke about oh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago is getting more magical oh. so it's not just a dip your toe in and pretend you're in a magical place it's getting there I don't think it'll go full magic but uh definitely an interesting read oh, what's full magic it's not like oh, I'm Harry Potter type magic it's Harry just Harry we live Potter. in a magical world oh. and there are magical species now have entered the picture yeah um so yeah I will update once I finish it which will probably be a long time yeah, uh-huh. I haven't finished any, but and you know I I went for the, my uh, my usual. Did you get read. through Necromancer? No, no, not Necromancer. What's the other one you were reading? Oh, um, you know what? I can't remember the name of it. Hyperion. Hyperion. Yeah, no, I haven't finished Hyperion. This is what I mean. Yeah. I just I just lose yeah. motivation to read. I feel that. And then I'll All go right. back, I'll go back well, to reading the Dark Tower again. <laughs> I think it's like do you know if what it's they say? good like, it's if you good read, like if you watch the same series like if you keep going back and watching The Office or watching Friends that it's to do with you know what's coming next like if you watch it enough you know the jokes yeah and it's like a comfort thing of being able to control knowing what's coming yeah so, that tracks yeah that tracks <laughs> all right well, we're over the hour. Have you got anything else you want to quickly rattle off? I just like mentioning botflies, but never actually going into them. So I'm just going to say botflies. Okay, cool. And then eventually we'll talk about um, it. Yeah, we'll come back to it. We could do a second episode. I've got a lot that I haven't t- touched on. Um, if people are interested in extra stuff, though, parasites are your jam. A couple of things I would suggest looking at. Parasite life cycle. That can be interesting. Uh, and different transmission strategies can also be very interesting but if not i'm sure we'll cover that in the future at some point so that will bring us to a wrap don't forget to share this with your friends families co-workers scientists so we can all them with our mistakes and um one of my friends got a new dog recently and you know that thing like where you meant to like leave classical music on and it calms them down yeah uh that wasn't happening so she left our podcast on and it kept her calm 
Yay. So, um, dogs love our podcast. 100% confirmed. 100% confirmed, yeah. Yeah. One out of one. One out of one, that's 100%. 100%. So, if you want more information, fun, and science, you can follow us at Twitter and TikTok, which is at InfoEntropyPod, Instagram, InformationEntropyPod, and of course, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, whichever directory you're listening to this on right now. If you can give us a rating, a like, a share, Whatever it is, we appreciate it absolutely massively. Mm-hmm. Any uh, any sign-offs from you today? No. <laughs> Bot flies. Cool. Right, we'll catch you guys on the flip. Peace. Peace.